When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen you before, huh? Man, go tell the coach you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. And we've got another great episode for you guys today. Uh, I'm excited to Dennis and Matt are both back here. We'll be bringing them on here in just a second. They're both ready to hop on. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, XFL. Have uh, Matt, who is, again, the XFL guru over there for the Fantasy Life app, uh, does all their game reviews and previews. Uh, we'll have him break down what we saw out of Week 5. I was uh, got to attend a game, so I'll talk about that here in a minute with them as well, maybe. Uh, then we're going to jump into the tight end free agents for 2020. Not a lot of studs, not a lot of guys to talk about. Uh, so we'll be just kind of focusing in on the top group of this uh, tight end class. So let's jump them on here, and let's talk to them about XFL and the tight end free agents for 2020. <laughs> And we've got the usual crew back with us. Uh, Mr. Dennis Bennett has jumped back on with us this week. He is back. We are excited to have him. You can follow him at culture underscore coach. Dennis, how you doing today? You know, I'm just hanging out, drinking bleach, trying to keep myself <laughs> clean. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't want you to catch that coronavirus. And Mr. Matthew Fox is with us as well. You can follow him at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. Mr. Fox, how are you doing with all the coronavirus and everything? You uh, you surviving up there in Colorado with no toilet paper? 
Yeah, you know, I I considered it one of my my week's greatest accomplishments that I was able to get a pack of toilet paper at Walmart <laughs> on Saturday. Um, but also, you know, I was relieved this weekend uh, went so well that you don't have to burn your DC Defenders gear. I know. I just got to get myself a Tyree Jackson jersey now. It's my boy. I, I didn't even realize he was on that team. I'm not even gonna lie. I had no idea. But I, I don't. Uh, I I feel like Dennis can back me up on this. I don't think there was anybody tooting that dude's horn louder than me last season. So um, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see if he gets a shot here with the defenders. Look, I was beginning to wonder if you had adopted him. Yeah. If you can get a quarterback that can throw for less than 40 yards in a game and actually win, <laughs> uh, you know that's a rare commodity. Yeah, his arm was never his best quality, but uh, yeah. And then, no, Dennis, I tried to adopt him, but he uh, he unfortunately declined my offer. I'm still not really sure why. He hasn't talked to me since, so I'm still a little upset about that, but I'm still going to support him and everything that he wants to do. You know, you, the love doesn't just go away just because they say no to you. Uh, so <laughs> I actually uh, forgot kind of all about that. So why don't we get an update on what happened in Week 5? I was uh, actually able, obviously, to go to one of the games. It sucked. I mean, the experience was awesome, but the game sucked. Uh, but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, give us a breakdown really quick of what happened in week five of the XFL before we jump into free agency and the uh, a tight end position for 2020. Well, uh, on Saturday, I think, you know, we saw Houston continue to be the only undefeated team, 5-0. and um, They actually benefited a little bit from what the XFL almost immediately admitted was an officiating mistake, and they actually demoted the official, which, you know what? We, I think we all understand that it's human nature that these kind of things have happened. The frustration I feel like with fans has been the lack of transparency and the lack of response from the NFL when everybody and their brother knows that there was a screw up. And I think people uh, were kind of amazed at how refreshing it was to see this league say, hey, we totally screwed up. We screwed you out of a chance. We're not going to make a change because – you know, we're past that point, but we admit our mistake and the official that was in charge has been reassigned. If you told people that after some of the officiating things, like as a, as somebody whose NFL team had not one, but two dubious calls at the end of games that led to our own four start uh, for a season where we finished seven and nine and actually looked like we could have pushed for the playoffs at the end. That was kind of refreshing, but Houston looking pretty good. Seattle is still a team that, even though they are one and four, I really like. I think they've had a terrible schedule, and they've had terrible scheduling luck, and I think they are way better than their record, which is going to be interesting kind of going down the stretch because L.A. looked okay Sunday night. Dallas, I told you last week, you went to that game. My biggest concern was Week one, their offense looked really bad when they didn't have Landry Jones, and then they had seemingly gotten themselves in a really good groove, and they had what I had thought was, you know, at the time the best game of the year playing against Houston before he got hurt, and I worried whether they could sustain some of that and could still keep in contention How depending on how long Jones was out. I think we saw on Saturday they really got waxed by a Guardians team that has not been very good at times. Yeah. So that was kind of brutal. That kind of makes me think Dallas is in real trouble. Philip Nelson just, you know, I think he threw it like 50 times and completed 30-something for for 200 yards again. It's just their offense is not the same. Um, Sunday's games, you know, 
we were hoping the defenders would rally a little bit. They did. They were able to hold serve. They got the running game going. Their defense looked good. We're able to hold down uh, the Battle Hawks. Those teams are tied at three and two. I think they're really sitting kind of tenuously right now atop the East, but right in their rearview mirror is Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay has been pretty good at times. They lost uh, a tight one to LA on Sunday night. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, where they shake out, but at the midway point, you know, it seems like Houston's really got it in the West and then it's kind of wide open and it's a, it's a toss up about who's going to chase them. No, no other team is even at 500. And at the, uh, in the East, you know, I was happy to see the defenders win at home and, and St. Louis is still there kind of at the top. The East is going to be really interesting to play out the uh, rest of the season. Yeah, and this was their halfway point in the season, correct? They've only got the five yep. more weeks before they hit the playoffs? Okay, cool. That's what I thought. Yep, and we have three. I mentioned this last uh, Thursday, but I actually went and looked it up. The Thursday night games are the last two weeks of the season, April 2nd, uh, regular season game, April 2nd and April 9th. And the first one is that rematch of Dallas and Houston. If Landry Jones is on the lower end of uh you know, time he might miss, he could potentially be back. And I know uh, the people on Fox have got to be kind of rooting because <laughs> the Dallas team that we saw on Saturday is probably not what they're looking to put in prime time on a Thursday night football slot. Yeah, it was. Uh, so I'll just give, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw me posting some pictures and everything. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I would, uh, I don't know if this is going to be a fair comparison to make. I go to go to a lot of baseball games, uh, and I kind of feel like that's what it was for me. Like it was a lot of fun to watch. There was a lot of up and I was getting up and moving around with some friends. We actually moved to a different section uh, where where we were at. Uh, it was uh, actually a lot colder than a lot of us expected, and we were sitting in the shade with. Uh, for any of you who don't know, again, baseball wise, Globe Life Park was known as a. Uh, as a kind of like a wind tunnel. And so when once you get kind of in the shade and the wind's going, it gets pretty cold. So we actually moved to the bleachers, which were right by the sideline. Uh, Cam Jordan was there, which I did not know was reporting on the sideline. Uh, but that was pretty cool. He was doing a lot of interacting with the fans and everything, you know, during and uh, while the game was kind of in intermission stuff. So that was a lot of fun. All in all, it was a great experience outside of the game, unfortunately. The game was just not good. I mean, I think yeah. it was uh, – a. We left mid through the fourth quarter to go over to this really big bar they have there called Texas Live, and I think we left right after uh, we left right after the Renegades returned a kickoff for a touchdown, and that was like right when all the action started picking up. Uh, Nelson had thrown a pick for a touchdown. The Renegades had scored a big touchdown. Like they jumped up like two touchdowns on the. The, the Guardians jumped up two touchdowns on the Renegades quickly, and then they returned that touchdown, and it was just kind of one of those things where, yeah, Nelson is just not good. And, and so it was, uh, yeah. unfortunately, probably the worst part about the whole experience was the game. But it was definitely fun. Uh, there's a shot that I might be going to that Thursday night game, uh, so I'm interested in that. Hopefully I'm right there with Fox, and that I'm hoping that Landry Jones comes back and, and it could be a more interesting game. But I thought it was a fun experience. So if you're, if you're around an XFL team and you have a shot to go to one, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, you know, I know, like, for instance, St. Louis – Seattle, Washington, the the stadium atmosphere is like all in. Uh, you know, they describe it as like kind of like a soccer environment. It was a little bit like that at the Renegades game. It was not as packed uh, as it has been, but I do think some of that has to do with the fact that Landry Jones is not there. But it was definitely a lot of fun, uh, and I would recommend it. Uh, the beer snake. 
Uh, well, that was all, that was in DC. in DC. So I was not close to the beer snake. Oh, at they all. don't I have was... one in every stadium. Negative. Uh, no, I know I, DC is the one that's been real famous uh, famous for that doing the beer snake, and they were having a lot of fun. That that was probably the game I watched the closest this weekend because of, I was interested in that that matchup and the timing on Sunday afternoon. It just feels right to come home and lay on the couch and find a football game. So did you watch the Sunday night game, Matt? Uh, no, I, I saw. No, I did it. not either. Okay. Yes. There was. I, it, I saw bits and pieces of it, but apparently Josh Johnson jumped in Norm Chow's shit about arguing about something instead of calling plays. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I watched like the they, first quarter, I think, and then I, I went to bed. It was too late for me. L.A. is a uh, interesting franchise because I think they have some pretty good talent, and we've seen flashes of them being a really good team, but we've also seen flashes of something's just not right. I mean, they were the team that after the first week of the season, they fired their defensive coordinator, and now five right. weeks in, that team that they played that they were actually hanging with for a half that, that beat them is the top-scoring offense and the best team in the league. So, I mean... You know, at the time, it was like, oh, man, they're taking this really seriously. They're not going to accept this. And then, you know, three weeks two, three weeks ago, they come out on, you know, a late game on Sunday and just thrashed D.C. and scored 39. I thought, hey, they finally got their stuff together. And the next week, they come out and and look awful in New York. And then last, last night, I, I mean, I was watching pieces of it. But Sunday nights, you know, especially this time of year, I was – playing Monopoly with the wife and trying to watch The Walking Dead for reasons that surpass logic and understanding. <laughs> but it just watching it, I'm like, you know, what? There's no consistency because the the for a while, L.A. was getting blown out by Tampa Bay. And I thought, OK, well, uh, obviously, L.A.'s completely fall off. They rallied. I still think with Josh Johnson and Nelson Spruce and some of the pieces they have, they have potential to be a great team and the West is so wide open. That's why even Seattle at one and four and LA now, I think they're two and three who have looked tough at times could come up and could challenge and could play, but it's just, it's a matter of getting it all together. Seattle's looked remarkably better since going to BJ Daniels. I think that was a good quarterback switch for them. I like Josh Johnson, Dallas. It's, it's too bad. Trading's not a bigger thing, or it's the first year because if they could just trade to get one of these quarterbacks that has fallen out of favor but might be a little bit better at running the system than what they've gotten, Philip Nelson, I still think Dallas with with uh, Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar and some of the pieces they have could be in there, but it, it's been a weird season. I guess regular foot regular NFL footballs like that too. Yeah, uh, key injuries can really bring you down, whether you're in the XFL or in the NFL, for sure. All right, Maybe so, they can get Dwayne uh, Haskins some reps, just send him to Dallas for five weeks. Oh, come on now. Don't talk about my boy like that. Haskins is good. He's going to be all right this year. He needs a tight end, which, you know, bada bing, bada boom. That's what we got on the list today. Tight ends. They need to bring agency. back Donald Parham. Uh, I would not disagree with you. He's probably oh, the best player yeah, on the Renegades team. So way to go, Dennis. Segwaying even better than Matt did. So let's talk about the tight ends for free agency this year. There's not a lot of them. There's a couple guys. I mean, I actually kind of like everybody on this list outside of like the two guys right in the middle of our list. 
Uh, but let's start off with uh, Vance McDonald, who is obviously or was with Pittsburgh. There's a lot of uh, people who thought he was going to have a really good season uh, this past season. Now, some of that may have been because Big Ben went down and Mason Rudolph could not hit the broadside of a barn. But he just regardless did not have a good year, did not have a good year the year before that. He's kind of been this darling sleeper for a lot of people for the past couple of years and really has not done anything. What are we'll start with Dennis since me and Matt did this uh, last week with the quarterbacks. What are your thoughts on McDonald? Uh, do you have a spot that you think he should go, or a spot where if he lands, you think is going to improve his fantasy value as of right now? You know, McDonald is the he's turned into that perennial guy who flashes in a couple games and then ends up uh, getting injured. I was in on McDonald. Uh, I love the Pittsburgh match. It may be in his best interest as a free agent to go back there. You know, he's got what Nick Vanette, Zach Gentry, Christian Williamson. You know, it's it's not like there's a, a ton of competition there. I, I like Vanette too. He's always he's he spent a couple of years on my wait to break out list, uh, but never broke out. So, but but McDonald has shown a lot of flashes. For him, it always seems to come down to health. Uh, and then with Ben out last year and the quarterback play in Pittsburgh, you know, that really ended up being just a tough match for McDonald uh, for, you know, his his ability and, and uh, the quarterback play there in Pittsburgh. So if I'm McDonald, I, I, I want to go back and take another run at it with Ben, you know, in his swan song year. This could be a big opportunity to uh, sit atop the depth chart and uh, you know make a run at it. What about you, Matt? What are your thoughts on Mr. Vance McDonald? I mean, I don't think it would be a bad idea to, uh, to go back either. The question probably for me is more, does, does Pittsburgh want him back? What kind of money is he looking for? Um, you know, I'm a little bit like Dennis. He, he's he's had promise and every year seems like oh you know this is going to be the year he's going to step up he's going to do it and you you see flashes of it and that's probably what makes it maddening i think going into last year you know we had seen him end 2018 a little bit strong you saw jesse james go to somewhere else and i was like hey you know now it's now it's his time and it just has never uh totally happened um you know and i, I don't know even what they totally think of him because wasn't the move to get Nick Vanette didn't they make that as a trade in the middle of last year pull him from Seattle yes yeah I think it was a week or two before the trade deadline last year they gave up I don't even remember what yeah. it was it was not a it wasn't a high pick I want to say maybe it was a fourth or fifth rounder no. but they did give up the pick too to get Vanette right around the trade deadline but that's you know, kind of Pittsburgh's thing they're not going to usually splash out big huge things and make runs at players like that. So it's not super surprising, but you know, if yeah, I think it's going to come down to whether they saw enough in McDonald that they want to bring him back to me, he's not a top tier uh, free agent, even at this position, he's probably a second tier or a third tier. He wouldn't surprise me as a guy that makes his signing post draft when we see where tier one and where the rookies land. Yeah. I, I just, with McDonald, it's, it's really about, did he mesh with the team? Vanette, I think, with teams running so much too tight end, uh, McDonald is a, is a little more athletic than Vanette. Uh, 
but he's a capable blocker. And Vanette's a good blocker, and he, he's a good receiver as well. So when you have a, a, a two tight ends that, that play well, they are become essentially interchangeable. I think that helps your offense to, you know, keep some variability. You, you can't just you're not just telegraphing it. Uh, so having McDonald back, I, I think if you know maybe somebody comes in and blows him away. I agree with Matt. I think he's probably bottom of the second tier, middle of the second tier of uh, free agent tight ends. Um, I, I would like to, like, like I said, I'd like to see him there. I don't think he's going to be up for a, you know, a 75 catch season, but he can right. certainly improve on his, his 40 catch season from last year. Where, uh, where would you guys rank in fantasy wise? You know, obviously we don't know any of the draft tight ends. There, there's at least, I would say four or five, t- uh, tight ends in the draft that we all think could be interesting for fantasy, depending on where they land. And this, this, uh, there's a huge list of teams that need tight ends. So we'll get to that in a minute. But where would you guys rank McDonald without knowing the draft tight ends if he were to go back to Pittsburgh? Is he kind of, any shot that he falls into, like, right around the 12 range, or do you think he's outside that and definitely a Tier 2 tight end? I'd put him somewhere, I think, somewhere between ten tight end 10 and 15 is is within the range of outcomes. But I think somewhere between tight end 25 and 35 is within the range of outcomes as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of me. I, I would put him in the tight end 15 to 20, which would be a uh, – you know, lower tight end too. Yeah, it's still not bad. I mean, tight end, the tight end position altogether is kind of bad outside of the top guys. Uh, so I'm going to mix Oof. it up here and let's let's talk about one of the top guys, Austin Hooper. We know that he was having a phenomenal year last year with Atlanta. He was a tight end one for most of the season until he got hurt. There's a lot of rumors about him possibly going to New England because we know New England has always had a really good offense when they've had a really good tight end. And they haven't had that since Gronk retired. So do you guys think he any shot he goes to New England? Do you hope he goes back to Atlanta? And regardless, wherever he lands, is he still, since he's proven, can be a top five tight end? Do you think he stays a top five ten tight end regardless of where he goes? Or does he have to go to an explosive offense? We'll go Matt first on this one. So I think reading the tea leaves, it seems unlikely he's going back to Atlanta just based on the things they've said. That feels like that would have been still a, a really good fit, obviously, as chemistry with Matt Ryan, and he fit into that system of what they were trying to do. I think New England could potentially be awesome. The one, uh, you know, he's been linked to a couple other teams. Washington, uh, I, I'm not incredibly high on their uh, current quarterback project, but uh They've had some success with tight ends there. We've obviously seen what a tight end like Greg Olson did uh, on a team coached by uh, Ron Rivera. So, you know, there's some potential there. The one that scares me the most is he's been linked heavily to Green Bay. And we have seen time and again the Green Bay Packers just suck all the joy out of a tight end uh, fantasy prospect by signing them. Never have they made one of these big tight end signings work with Aaron Rodgers, no matter who the coach was. You know, the last one they tried was Jimmy Graham. And there was, a, you know, there's times where you had a game where you were like, hey, maybe Jimmy Graham will be relevant. And then you start him for three weeks and look at the two points you had over that time span and wonder what happened to your life. That's probably the one that scares me the most. And in that sense, 
I don't think you can say with certainty that Austin Hooper is a tight end one, no matter where he goes. The other thing that I think about is somebody like Eric Ebron, who always had a lot of talent, or I'm sure we're going to talk about him in a minute when he was with Detroit, makes that move to the Colts. And for one year, you're like, Hey, this is what we were hoping. He's made it. A lot of people made moves to get him. And then if you were riding him last year, uh, that was a pitiful experience. I think tight end, you need to see guys do it time and again, and it helps to have consistency in their situation. Look at the three lead pipe locks that we have at tight end. Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz, guys who have done it for more than one year, who are staying consistent in a system and you know have some of it, somewhat of an offense built around them. Aside from that, I don't know if you can say with certainty that anyone maintains – tight end one no matter what year to year because we even saw jimmy graham who looked like an otherworldly player at that position when he was in new orleans go to seattle which seemed like at the time that would be a fairly ideal fit and could be a great situation and it never materialized the way you wanted and you think about what jimmy graham is now versus what he was six years ago and it's hard to believe it's even the same player yeah i i think for me there, there are some teams that need tight ends out there that Hooper could really help, and it's just sorting through the question marks. I, I, I would love to see Hooper somewhere where he's going to get lots of opportunity and not a ton of competition. So maybe the Bears. The downside there is the quarterback. What's going to happen there? Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, another great opportunity could be the Houston Texans. So they don't have, uh, you know, they've got Kahali Waring and then some some older, more blocking-oriented vets. That's some place that Hooper could step right in and really fill a role there. That, uh, you know, he'd be a little. He's more athletic than Els was, and it could end up being a really nice fit especially given some of the challenges they've had at their second wide receiver position to end up with a tight end that can be a a reliable producer like that. Um, Probably the one place that I I look at and and think that maybe just maybe it it could be some, the, the spot that vaults him into the, you know, tight end five range is uh you know the Jacksonville Jaguars you know they they don't have that you know he's not going to get beat out by Nick O'Leary uh Minshew is a he he's got that Brett Farvian gunslinger mentality despite not really having the arm that Farv has uh he he's willing to to get out there and get around and make things happen uh, you know Foles had the tight ends up in, in uh, Philadelphia. So he knows how to use a tight end and Jacksonville could use a tight end. So that might be a really interesting fit that would really maintain his status. So I take it you are not a, uh, you are not a believer in Josh Oliver at tight end. I mean, he can't, he had a lot of hype coming I- out of the draft last year. I, I, it's not that I'm not a believer. It's that I am a believer that in the rare exception is the early production tight end. Mm-hmm. So give me Oliver to be my backup for the next couple years 
And then let's see what happens in, you know, 2022 when Oliver's had an opportunity to, to, to develop like a normal tight end develops in the NFL. Or, you know, Foles came from a system where they were able to utilize two tight ends uh, in Goddard and Ertz and have that work out really well. You had Ertz there for a long time, and they've slowly been bringing Goddard up. I mean, I could see a situation where you had Hooper and Oliver working there, and in a couple of years, you know, there are teams that do a lot with two tight ends. The Patriots, for a while, when they were really cooking on offense, used two tight ends, Bronkowski and a tight end that we won't mention by name. But, I mean... Teams can make that work with their talent, with you know, depending on what they want to do. Yeah, I think Cooper. There's two of them on this list, really, for me that are really interesting. That's Hooper and Henry, because I wouldn't be surprised if neither one of them came back. And they, I think, those are the two, at least on the list that we have here, that probably have the most fantasy fantasy implications for 2020. Like they, they could really kind of help out your team, especially if they went to a, a really good offense. Uh, you know, I, I would do either one of these. Chargers think? are talking about franchise tagging Henry, though. It seems mean, like they're certainly going to do that after signing Eckler. They've decided to let Gordon go. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'd be a, a bad thing. What, what's the how's the saying go? Tight ends a rookie quarterback's best friend, and the chances are, I mean, it's either going to be Tyrod yeah. or a rookie quarterback. So, well, it might be the same thing. That's true. Good point. Good point. I watched Tyrod play in Cleveland, so I can't disagree with you on that. Uh, uh, does uh, If he were to go to New England, which does seem to be the hot name that has been kind of connected to him a lot, uh, would that boost his stock up a Matt, I know you were saying that he wouldn't be like the tight end one, but would you think he probably goes or sits around the tight end top five if he ends up in New England knowing – Again, there's still a lot of questions about who's going to be the quarterback and what system they're going to run, but it does always seem that they've really liked to use one, at least one, if not yeah. two, tight ends like you were mentioning. Do you think that that boosts his fantasy stock at all if he goes to New England? Well, I think the big unknown there is the passer. You figure yeah. the scheme's going to stay pretty much the same. Josh McDaniels locked in, has done pretty much the same thing for a long time. So schematically and opportunity-wise, it seems like it would be a fit, especially for a team who has a dubious wide receiver situation and running situation at best. But, you know, we, we both talked on Thursday that we don't think Jarrett Siddham's the guy that's going to get the job, but who is getting the job, you know? I could see Austin Hooper being a wonderful weapon with Tom Brady coming back, or you get a guy like Rivers, or you get one of these veteran guys, Andy Dalton's obviously somebody you just mentioned who has had some success throwing to a tight end who who can be a weapon like Eifert. So, you know, that I think that would still keep him in, for me, the tight end one conversation going into the draft because of what we saw him do and because he lands in a favorable situation. But that, you know, there are a lot of places that need a tight end that could be appealing. One of the ones Dennis hit on Houston, you know, you're getting an awesome quarterback. Jacksonville, yeah. you know, could be Foles, could be Gardner Minshew. Chicago could be Trubisky, could be, you know, Tannehill, could be somebody else that they bring in to compete. There's a lot of situations where they need a tight end but you also aren't 100 percent sure what you're going to see offense production wise and you know he was lucky the in the in atlanta they were a predominantly pass offense 
a pass-first offense. He had good rapport with his quarterback, Matt Ryan, and you knew pretty solidly what you were going to get from Matt Ryan. That's not There are elements of that situation that aren't 100% replicatable at all these other places. And there are places, like I mentioned with Green Bay, where you have a great quarterback, but you have never seen a that position kind of seamlessly fit into the offensive game plan. Could it? Sure. We've hoped it was going to happen with several prominent signings that haven't. So that's he's going to be the most interesting domino, I think, at this position free agency-wise, since it seems pretty certain that the Chargers are going to franchise tag Henry and try to keep him. Dennis, any thoughts on Hooper possibly landing with New England? It it would be a good fit. Um, if we are looking at, you know, everything lining up, like Brady being back and, and you know, him being able to produce, I, I think he has to – there's definitely a – expected drop in production when a wide receiver changes teams. So I'd have to, I haven't heard anybody talk and I haven't looked myself to see, well, when a pass catching tight end changes teams, do they experience the same kind of drop in production that a wide receiver does? Uh, I would, without, you know, digging through the numbers or having a numbers guy tell me, uh, I would expect a drop in production from a pass-catching tight end going to a, a new team. So he, he's likely to to lose some production anyways. Uh, it's going to be uh, – I, I would think t- uh, New England would be a good fit for him, though. You know, they know how to use yeah. a tight end with his skills. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think Cooper and, and Henry, who we were just talking about a minute ago as well, with, with Matt bringing up he might be franchised by the Chargers – with their skill sets, I feel like wherever they go, they're going to be fantasy relevant. The other guys, I feel like it's really going to be dependent on the offenses. I mean, obviously, if maybe – seeing I was going to say Tennessee, but, I mean, Tennessee made Delaney Walker a really good tight end for a long time, even though they've been run heavy for a very long time. So I, I really think those two, uh, regardless of where they go, are going to have some sort of fantasy relevance. Maybe not those top – five to ten guys like we have hoped for a very long time especially with Henry where he's shown the flashes and then hasn't due to injury and everything else going on in his career but I I think both of those guys are still at least right now you can't sell them for anything less than top 12 tight ends because they've proven that they can do it and I think they could do it in any any uh in any system Matt you keep uh bringing up the fact that the Chargers are talking about franchise tagging Henry assuming they do that what does that do for you guys with him moving forward we know they're likely going to have a rookie quarterback at some point uh it looks like all signs are are pointing toward Tyrod Taylor at least being the starter at first uh and then I would not be surprised if he ends up kind of getting like that 20 you know 2017 2018 season of the Cleveland Browns where he plays for a couple games and then ends up getting benched for the rookie uh, so what what are your thoughts on on Henry being there? Because again, he he the saying goes tight ends are a rookie quarterback's best friend, but he also has two really good wide receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the outside. And as you mentioned, they also re-signed Eckler, who's a really good receiving back out of the backfield as well. So Dennis, do you think him coming or possibly staying with the Chargers and having a rookie quarterback changes his value at all for the Chargers? Well, I think a rookie quarterback always changes the the potential outcomes um, because they're rookies and they're not 
it's just not a situation you can count on for someone to just drop in as a rookie and perform like, you know, a 15 year vet like Philip Rivers. So yeah, it'll have some effect. Uh, Tyrod Taylor has been a career backup for a reason as well. So I, I still, for me, I want Higby to stay in Los Angeles with the chargers let them draft, you know, a lot of mocks keep putting uh, Justin Herbert there. I, I think you've got the two wide receivers. You've got, you know, the tight end. Bring in the rookie quarterback. Give him a few games to, to get his feet under him in the NFL. Let, let uh, Tyrod start unless um, Herbert steps in and basically just takes the job. But you've got a decent running back with Austin Eckler. You know they paid him to be a uh, a committee back. You know he's going to produce some good numbers. You got Justin Jackson. If they don't uh, bring him along as the second back, they'll bring in another veteran and uh, split the carries with, with Eckler, so Eckler can you know put up another seventy catch season or something good like that. So it it. The coaching staff is all the same. The offensive system is all the same. So in that case, you've got only one person really that needs to learn the offense and all these other guys around him that can help him and help put Herbert in a position to be successful. So I, for me, as a Tyler Higby owner, I want Higby to stay in uh, L.A. Thank you, man. Hunter, Henry. Yeah, him too. <laughs> Matt, your thoughts on I'm the... sure the Ra- the Rams are keeping Higby. So yeah. I gotta worry about him. Uh you know, I think the the question Chargers are not a bad landing spot to me, um, for all the reasons Dennis kinda talked about. I think it's interesting if they're gonna franchise tag him, they're probably obviously hoping to make him part of their long term plans. We just saw them kind of make a commitment to Eckler. I had written a little earlier in the offseason looking at the Chargers that this was going to be a really interesting uh, offseason for kind of making over uh, their offense in in a lot of ways. Um, We obviously made the decision that they're ready to move on from Phillip Rivers. Keenan Allen is in in a contract year. Um, An interesting question about... You know, what are they going to do beyond that point? I think Williams is going, this is his fourth year. uh, And so they're getting close to a decision point there. Obviously, they, they, with all their running backs kind of coming up, they made a decision on Eckler. Franchise tagging Henry would suggest that they've seen enough that they want to have that anchor there. I think the question for Hunter Henry in part has always been, can he stay on the field? Because they ended up keeping, I think, Antonio Gates a season or two more than they wanted to just because they could never, you know, because they had such bad luck with, with Henry, you know, and tearing an ACL before a season last year, kind of getting that injury, getting knocked out when he seemed to be getting things going. But when he was there playing, he was playing pretty well. I have several shares in Dynasty. I I keep hoping, you know, that we're going to see. And we've seen, you know, 
even on his own team, Keenan Allen was a guy who had talent and who had flashes, who had a couple of years of real bad injury luck, who was able to kind of right that ship and be what we hoped he would be. I, I think the Chargers are hoping they can see the same thing with Hunter Henry and that he is probably a good fit. Whether you have a rookie quarterback or Tyrod Taylor, I think those short to intermediate routes are the ones that are are going to get peppered a little bit more i've been interested too people have talked about thinking that the chargers may actually be targeting uh, tua hoping that they can try to get him and have him sit for a year and let taylor play and then have him take over i thought that was kind of an interesting possibility too um so quarterback play is going to be a little bit of a question although not as big a concern for me i think him being able to stay on the field and then the fact that he's among four people who are going to be competing for targets that's always kind of a rough you know you like what really separates the top tier of tight ends from the next tier of tight ends is that guaranteed target share you know that guaranteed role in the offense i don't think we've seen henry be able to complete a season to where you get a sense of what his guaranteed role would be week in week out yeah I, I kind of agree with everything both of you guys are saying I don't have much to add there I mean I, I think regardless if he if he stays there or if he goes somewhere else I think he's going to be fine his his biggest thing is going to be staying on the field uh, obviously me being as as big of a Herbert fan as I am I'd love for him to be with the Chargers if if they do draft Herbert because I think giving him all those weapons is finally going to be able to kind of show the world just how good Herbert is, and I do think he, he could have a really good year with them. Uh, but I do kind of agree with what you were saying, Matt, there. And him having to compete for targets with some of those guys might lessen some of his fantasy value as well. But if he can do, uh, I want to say, whatever his last almost full season was healthy, where he was just kind of like a red zone monster, where he didn't really get a lot of catches or yards, he just got a ton of touchdowns. I mean, if, if he can do that, I mean, it's going to hurt Allen and Williams' value some, but if you don't own either one of them, you just have Hunter Henry, you're going to be fine with that. So I, I think uh, regardless of where he goes, him and Hooper, the two, as I mentioned earlier, that I think could really uh, still be decent for you fantasy-wise, regardless of what uh, teams they go to. And, and I'm, we'll give a rundown of all the teams, at least I think. I'll see if you guys agree with me that are tight and needy here. In just a minute, we got three more guys to talk about. Uh, the last guy that I think is really interesting, in my opinion, is Eric Ebron. Dennis has uh, dealt with his, um, you know, Bad play in Detroit for a long time, goes to Indianapolis, has a phenomenal year, uh, then really kind of regresses right back to the means of the year after the Indianapolis Colts move on from him. Jack Doyle seems to be back and fully healthy. He's going to be their main tight end. So Ebron goes into free agency. Where is the best fit for you, uh, Dennis, that you think Ebron could go to and maybe not reestablish himself as that top five tight end that he was that first year in Indy, but at least a top 10 tight end for fantasy means? Uh, North Carolina to finish his degree. Ouch. All right. Matt, what about you? Any love for Eric Ebron? You know, I, I really liked what I saw from Ebron with Andrew Luck and the way he fit in that offense in 2018. Um, you know, I, I understand Dennis's feelings and pain when you watch a player on your team that's highly touted and and the place where they drafted wasn't even on a first round draft pick for he, he Detroit. I, yep. I like a high first round draft pick. When you take somebody, there's a certain level of expectation that if they never can live up to and deliver on that, it can be really frustrating, especially when you see him the first year out. But really 
we cling to as fantasy people, I think the the 2018 season seeing say is saying see this is what we always said he can be and we just need to get the right spot but that if you really look at his career has been the outlier and so who is eric ebron and i'm somebody that got caught up in the hype of course this was before luck retired and actually made a good trade to rely on him at tight end last year thinking it was going to be a piece to get me into a playoff run and ended up screwing myself I'm not. I'm ashamed to even tell you what I what I traded. Um, I basically traded Miles Miles Sanders oh. and and I our Sega Whiteside for uh, Aaron Jones and um, Eric Ebron, which it wasn't terrible, but I thought it was going to put me in the playoffs, and it decidedly didn't. So now it feels more terrible, uh, but. You know, a lot of the places Dennis mentioned earlier are places you could see him go. A Jacksonville could be interesting. But what about a Dallas? Obviously, they're ready to move on from Jason Witten. I don't know that I think Blake Jarwin and the limited samples we've seen is the answer. Uh, tight end, when when Dallas has been good, they've always had kind of a reliable tight end. And even though Jason Witten wasn't like a sexy pick even last year he was reliably around a startable tight end all season just because of the targets and the way they play uh, football so I think that's kind of a secret hidden um, spot that I don't hear a lot of people talking about this offseason that would be a good place for one of these tight ends to land to get kind of a comfortable uh, role especially somebody who's decent in the red zone which we saw that was probably Ebron's biggest upside in 2018 he was somebody that was a big target that could be reliably looked upon in the in the end zone i think that's something dak would like um so that's that's kind of a fit where i would be curious to see what he could do in that system i i don't think you can count on ebron's 2018 i mean he had 13 touchdowns in 2018 and he's had 14 touchdowns and his others what five or six five seasons combined so you know, i think it doesn't matter where he goes i think you got to kiss that goodbye um e- ebron is you know he is what he is he's a a, a big slot player he isn't going to give you a lot in the blocking and if you have a smart quarterback maybe you can get some relatively consistent production out of him but i don't think you're going to get another you know 13 touchdown season out of him. Right. So say he goes to, Matt, you mentioned Dallas. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess it would depend on how much Ebron's wanting because I know with, with all the free agents they have, Dallas doesn't have a ton of cap space available. Uh, but what if he were to say go to a Dallas, uh, man, I'm trying to think of where, Arizona or Houston. Would that intrigue you guys if he were to land in, on any one of those teams or even all three teams? I don't, not me. Yeah, I mean, you have to define intrigue because, you know, I think Dennis and I are both saying the same thing. 2018 is an outlier. If that's what you think you're going to get, you're never, in my opinion, you're never seeing that again. He's not a guy who I'm I'm saying is a lock for a tight end one, but I think he could be a top tier 
tight end two, maybe fringe tight end one, if he can stay healthy and he ends up in the right situation where he gets those kind of, that's why I brought up kind of the, what we saw from Witten last year. Mm-hmm. Nobody felt good putting him in their starting lineup, but he got you usually enough points to not kill you at a position that feels like it's incredibly boom or bust at times. Yeah, Witten was tight end 11 last year. Yeah, wow. so fringe, fringe tight end one if you're in a 12-team league or a 10-team league. All right, well, what about fringe tight end one, Jason Witten? It does not look like he's coming back to the Dallas Cowboys. Are we assuming he's going to retire? I believe he came out and said he wants to play for at least one more year. So if he does play, do we have any interest in him whatsoever? I'm likely avoiding him. Uh, I I expect he's probably going to do something like go on a fairly cheap deal to someplace like New York. You know, they just had Ellison retire. Uh, He's familiar with the team, and Ingram has issues with staying healthy. So, you know, he can pop in there as the backup, get some decent production opportunities. You know, he's a he's you know six yards and a six yard out in a cloud of dust kind of guy now. Yeah. I'm kind of with Dennis. I think the most likely seems feels like the Giants from a dynasty perspective, given his age and limited, that's not somebody you're, you're making any kind of move toward. Personally, I do hope he gets to play another year, if only to keep him out of the broadcast booth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last guy on the list who I think can be somewhat intriguing. We, we saw some good seasons out of him in Cincinnati with red rifle when he could stay healthy. Uh, is Tyler Eifert, uh, I guess, really kind of the same thing as Jason Witten? Does he does he make you get? Are you guys excited about him at all? If he lands, even like say Houston, a team that we've really kind of been talking about on here, who really needs a tight end? If he were to land with the Houston, where where do you guys kind of think he might land fantasy wise? Again, we have to assume health because he's not proven that he can stay healthy for a full season. I, I think he's going to land on IR. I mean, he's the evil yeah. can eat. Evil Knievel of tight ends, man. I think he's broken every bone in his body. Yeah, I I have trouble even putting him at a tight end two slot because he he you just don't know what you're gonna get. Uh, you know when he's on in a game, you know he can get you like seven receptions for 100 yards and three touchdowns, and you're like, uh, I've got my guy, and that's all he has for the rest of the season. So, you know, I. That is another guy I would have trouble giving any kind of assets or pinning any kind of hopes on at this point in time. Yeah, he's just he's going to go somewhere. He's going to probably be the tight end to somewhere with an opportunity to win a starting job just based on his veteran status. But I I don't think he's going to you know do a whole lot. I, I if I'm if I'm him, I'd try to cut a deal and stay in Cincinnati and back up Drew Sample and let them bring this young quarterback in, see what this new head coach is doing, and you know who knows, maybe catch a wave over the next year or two and and get get some playoff time. Oh my All God, right. do you think the Bengals are making the playoffs? This might be the biggest revelation you've. Joe Cool, man. I, Joe Cool. They got, they got a nice team around him. They, they, this time of year, that. anybody could make it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
All right, so real quick, uh, there's not really a whole lot more to talk about with tight end. If uh, which, what is the best landing spot for you guys? Uh, you know, there's a couple teams that stick out off the top of my head that I think would be really good in New England, Pittsburgh, and Houston. Uh, are any one of those a top team for you guys? Is a different team? Who would be the the best landing spot for you guys overall for a tight end to go in this free agency uh, window here in 2020? Take it, Matt. Well, I think. Dennis made a real strong case for Jacksonville. Kind of got me excited about that uh, as a possibility. I still think Dallas um, is a potentially interesting spot because they've, you know, have a long and storied history of using the tight end, and I think that would fit some of the skill set and some of the offensive pieces they have. New England, depending on the quarterback situation, um, is definitely one I like. Houston, I want to like. But there's something about it that I just I don't know if Phil Houston O'Brien. is somewhat similar to, to Green Bay in that <laughs> they have awesome quarterback and they seem to have awesome wide receiver. I want to pass and don't know how to use all their positions. And you are definitely correct, Bill O'Brien. But, we, you know, he says he's not calling the plays this year. So I guess we'll see. But those are probably a few. Uh, Washington, I think, could potentially be good. There's another case where we're talking about a young quarterback, a coach who we've seen that that is comfortable uh, using the tight end position. So I think there's a lot of potential in some of those spots. For me, the the place I'm most interested in seeing a tight end land land, especially an athletic tight end that has some pass receiving chops, is Arizona. Okay, you know that's yeah. a team that. You know, they they have a mishmash of wide receivers. No, they don't have a bona fide number one. I love Larry, but he's a he's a he's you know he's one step ahead of Julian Edelman. Yeah. Uh, and Christian Kirk could be the guy. I like Kirk a lot, but you know, he still has a, a lot to prove. And then the rest of it is a bunch of guys, you know, they drafted what four receivers last year. Yeah. I think they're going to draft a, a couple more this year. Some talk about CD lamb going there, but if one of the tight ends could end up there, uh, who did they've got a tight end, Caleb Wilson out of yes. UCLA. Yes. That's uh, who, who's big athletic fast, potentially, you know, maybe he breaks out. Maybe they bring somebody in, you know, maybe they, they come in, they're able to snake Hooper or Henry away. Uh, I'd love to see Austin Hooper land in Arizona. I think that would be fantastic. Um, but that's a team with that offense and the way they're, they're opening, opening it up and, and throwing so heavily, it, that could be fantasy gold. I like that call. I, I did not have Arizona near the top of my list there. Uh, are we all uh, in agreement that Chicago is probably the worst spot for a tight end to fall on this list? I don't know about uh, the worst. It, it's a it bad really spot. Depends. Yeah. Well, well, who would be worse? So is Chicago a bad spot, or was Trey Burton not what people thought he was going to be? He's what I thought he was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, think there the was issue some... with Chicago right now is Mitch. I think the play calling has a pretty big part of it to do with it as well. Yeah, That's just my I, I don't. I, I I could sign on to that as well. When you combine the play calling with Mitch, you know, then yeah. it, it's not uh, you know it's it's not a fantasy winner for tight ends. But Chicago is another place where you kind of have to 
I think, see how the offseason shakes out in terms of quarterbacks because I still firmly believe that one of those kind of second-tier free agent quarterbacks is going to end up there because I still think that Chicago is one of the many teams that saw what Tennessee was able to do by pushing a young quarterback that they hadn't gotten the most out of and are going to look at that market for quarterbacks and snap up one of those guys and say, if it's not working, we're making that change. And that could potentially change a lot of things. You know, in Tennessee, we saw, uh, you know, it didn't help Corey Davis because maybe he's a lost cause, but A.J. Brown certainly seemed to benefit from that. We saw John Smith take a little bit of a step up from that. Derek Henry seemed to run better after that. So there are a lot of things that can change in an offense that you don't even necessarily think about when you can get even just to a level of competence or confidence in the quarterback and that includes the players in those positions having confidence in the guy who's back there taking the snaps yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie i kind of hope you're wrong on that i just drafted mitch trubisky in the sixth round of a super flex league as my second quarterback so i kind of need him to <laughs> oh my show gosh. Up. i had to sixth round uh, i was well a 16 teamer man you it's... better get that mitch trubisky tattoo over your heart it's a 16-teamer. I mean, he was like one of the last ones left. It was either him or Tom Brady, and I'm, you know, I'm just hoping for his legs this year, I guess, is all I want. I mean, it is, trust me, this draft is not it's not going well for me, boys. I made some mistakes. I made some mistakes. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, did last, you trade Miles Sanders for Eric Ebron? I did not do that, <laughs> so I can I can hold my head high. I think that. you're doing better. I would never trade Miles Sanders. He is the other one that I, he's another player that I tried to adopt to who denied me as well, much like uh, Tyree Jackson. And the love's still there. I love me some Miles Sanders. He, that's that's my boy right there with Philip Lindsay as well. You know, Maybe the Bears guys. can get, get Tyree Jackson because it can't be any worse. Ah, it's debatable. Uh, but uh, real quick. <laughs> Before we cut out of here, there was a couple or a free agent move that I think changed two things uh, for fantasy. So I do want to touch on that happened earlier uh, in the year. I don't think it's can be official yet, obviously, until a new league year starts. But Greg Olson is signing with the Seattle Seahawks, which obviously hurts Will Disley's fantasy value, in my opinion, but also raises up Ian Thomas. Uh, Thomas was a guy that Dennis was on last year thinking he'd take a step up. Now he's got that shot. Uh, let's start with Thomas because he's got the upside. What are you guys thinking of Thomas and, and his uh, possible fantasy outlook for 2020? I'll let Dennis go first since that's his boy. I love Ian Thomas, especially with uh, Cam coming back. You know, he, He's only had some limited opportunities because of Olsen. But in six starts in 2018, he put up 36 receptions with two touchdowns. Uh, and in three starts, he had 16 receptions with a touchdown last year backing up Olsen. So he's shown that he that the game isn't too big for him. So I, I want to see him get an opportunity to take the next step. He's coming into year three. It's a perfect time for tight ends to take that step. He'll have, uh, so far, it seems like he's going to have his quarterback that uh, he's comfortable with back, the guy that knows knows the offense there. Uh, so they'll be they should be pretty cohesive. So uh, I'm all on board the Ian Thomas train. I'm cautiously optimistic too. I would say 
I wouldn't have confidence that any of them know the offense exactly since they're changing coaches and, and schemes, even though some of the people might be familiar. Um, but, you know, I right now, if I was pressed, I, you know, I'd probably have them in the 12 to 15 rank, you know, fringe, fringe tight end one based on hopes and, and the samples we've seen seems like a, a great opportunity. Um, so that's that's probably the best is cautiously optimistic because I have him in a couple places where I could really use him developing into a reliable starting tight end. Yeah, I, I have him and Henry on a 16 team tight end premium start two tight ends. So could be a good uh, year for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm high on, on Thomas this year too. He's a guy that I, I think could really take a step forward especially having Samuel and DJ Moore with Christian McCaffrey, all those explosive weapons on the outside. Cam coming back, hopefully fully healthy. Uh, you know, I love the offense that Matt Rule ran at Temple and at Baylor. I think he can be really good uh, for the NFL. So if Ian Thomas is going to be that tight end and maybe that kind of short outlet for, uh, for, for Cam Newton, I think he could have a great year. So I'm excited about him in Carolina. And then Greg Olson, he goes to Seattle, uh, you know, signed, I believe it was just a one-year deal. Uh, so that might be more just yeah. to make sure Will Dis- Disley comes back fully healthy. But I, in my opinion, that means you cannot expect much for Will Disley this year. So what are your thoughts on both of those guys? Are they just kind of both avoids for the 2020 season? And then Will Disley firing back up in 2021? What are your guys' takes on those? Uh, we'll start with you, Matt. Well, Disley's a guy I'm obviously still holding in Dynasty because I think we've seen some great flashes. They're talking about doing a two-tight end offense. I mean, you could see some of that happening. They have a lot of questions, obviously, about running back and running back health and what's going to happen there. Um, So, you know, sometimes the short passing game can be a substitute for missing some stuff in the running game. I think there's obviously some concerns about Disley coming back and his durability because it's two years in a row we've seen major injuries kind of like what we've seen with hunter henry you almost feel a little bit like this greg olson signing is a little bit like when the chargers brought back gates for one more year because they you know they have hope but they also aren't 100 percent sure um so but greg olson you know he could be a decent fit there um too we obviously saw even after disley went out some value for tight ends in that system Hollister had a nice little run uh, in there at times for Seattle that's a position that they'd like to be able to use when their offense is going well so I think there's value for those guys but they definitely both take a hit if you were hoping that Disley maybe could come back stay healthy and move into that tight end one range um, I I think they're both going to end up being somewhere around tight end two or three yeah I'm it's a tough situation. I, I, I think if uh, Olsen stays healthy, he, he's a consummate professional, and I think he's going to provide Russell Wilson with uh, probably a, a more reliable option than he's had it consistently in the past. Uh, Disley will be coming back off the injury. I, I think that there's no reason for them to rush him. And so uh, if I'm going to have one of them, I probably want Olsen to start this year. But I want to also use the early part of the season uh, as an opportunity to buy Will Disley. 
All right, well, that about covers it for us today for the tight ends. By this time next week, we will be in the uh, legal tampering period, which makes absolutely no sense because nothing is uh, legal about tampering, and tampering is not legal. So I don't understand that wording at all by the NFL, but it is legal tampering. So we might actually hear some news about some players. We obviously got the Josh Norman news today. Uh, but if we see or hear anything, we'll talk about that on next Monday's episode. Otherwise, we'll be talking about the top wide receivers and running backs, which should be a fun episode to kind of get into. Uh, just a quick, uh, I forgot the word I wanted to use there. So now I'm trying to fill and it's, I'm not going to remember it. Uh, book, not bookkeeping, uh, whatever. We're not going to have a Thursday podcast this week. I'll just go ahead and say that uh, I've got to uh, – I get to go to the doctor and get an MRI done on my knee this Thursday. So we will not be doing a podcast. But me and Dennis will be back on Friday to talk about our rookie wide receivers. And then I will actually be having a podcast going up on Saturday as well. I have a special guest joining me to talk about some Devi stuff uh, from the Devi Delight podcast, part of the Expand the Box Score uh, their podcasting network. So I'm excited to bring him on there. So Matt will be back with us next Monday and then uh, along with Dennis, but you will hear me and Dennis again on Friday. Dennis, Matt, thank you guys both so much for joining me today. And I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Have yourselves a great day. Right on and wash your hands, jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!